in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank the Lord. We're going to look at, um, again, the, the idea that Jesus responds to faith. And sometimes that can be, um, that can be found in some of the most um, unusual places. Praise God. And so think about that um, as we talk about um, a lady tonight that really needed the Lord. A beautiful story found in the fourth chapter of the book of, um, of uh, John. And we're going to look at her story and maybe we can see a little bit of ourselves in that in Jesus' name. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in 1887, is anybody around in 1887? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Yes. Yes. But in 1887, a company drilling for oil along the banks of the Mississippi River near LaGrange, Missouri, made an unexpected discovery. At about 400 feet below the surface of the earth, they struck water. And then again at 800 feet, the flow of water became much stronger. And finally, at about 850 feet, Below the surface of the earth, the water pressure was so strong that the drilling team could not even proceed any further. That's how powerful the water was. In 1907, the government issued or sponsored um, geological, uh, a geological survey registering the flow of 60 gallons per minute and noted that, you know, that, it had, that has not changed. That did not change. And so that volume and that force just kept coming and just kept coming and kept coming. Now the drillers were disappointed by the development because they were hoping to secure a fuel source for the local steel mill. But water certainly couldn't, wouldn't solve that purpose. But when the water was analyzed, think about this, a geologist found that it contained potassium, calcium, magnesium, aluminum, and sodium. The liquid spurting from the ground was mineral water. Wow. And so it was, a, um, it was something that was very prized during the late uh, 19th century. And so an enterprising local businessman <laughs> named C.N. Thomas soon capitalized on the fine. And Thomas began bottling the water from the LaGrange Artesian Well and selling it all over the United States. Yeah. A local historian notes that Thomas marketed the mineral water as a cure for everything from diabetes to stomach disorders. Yeah. Despite the grossly exaggerated nature of these claims, the sales were brisk, and the local water department bottling uh, 50 to 90,000 gallons per day for shipment just to Chicago. That's something. Now today, more than 135 years later, after the well's initial discovery, its water continued to flow. Even occasional floods from the nearby Mississippi River have been unable to destroy the well. And other mineral wells in the area have long since dried up. But this one, the local residents can still enjoy a drink from the LaGrange Artesian Well. Isn't that remarkable? That water did not dry up. And so what we're talking about here, the story, is a well that never runs dry and is purported to bring life and healing to all who drink. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think tonight we're going to be talking about something that I think we all understand, 
is true, praise God. Yes. That Jesus promises us um, uh, uh, water from a well, praise God, that will not draw, draw up or dry up. And so you and I, we can count on that tonight, praise God. We can tap into that well anytime, any place. I mean to tell you folks, that well is not going to dry up. Jesus said, now you remember this, I know most of you do, in the seventh chapter of the book of John, the gospel of John, he said that if you would believe on him as the scriptures saith, I think that is so important that we emphasize that. He said, out of your bellies would flow rivers of living water. Praise God. And this, of course, he was referring to the Spirit. And, um, of course, we believe in, in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a well that never, ever goes dry in Jesus' name. Praise God. How many would like to tap into that well tonight? Come on, why don't you lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to help you to do that. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, I believe he's able. Oh, hallelujah. He is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. That's it. If you want the Holy Ghost, if you'd like to experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a greater way, Come on, I believe tonight can be one of those times that we can do that in the name of Jesus. There you go. Just have faith. Come on, the Bible study is about Jesus. He's responding to faith right now. Hallelujah. When I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I had no idea what it was. But all I was doing was lifting up my hands in faith. All I was doing was following the direction of the ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. It didn't take me long to start spewing out water or uh, spiritual water praise God out of my mouth in Jesus name do you remember that come on wasn't that beautiful oh hallelujah hallelujah Jesus thank you Lord thank you for that praise God that is the promise that God gives us and the promise is unto you unto your children under them that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call praise God and so you and I you know we might not live near LaGrange Missouri Praise God. And bottle some of that mineral water and just heal what's ailing you, right? That's what they claim. Praise God. But you and I have, have tapped into a source, praise God, that we know that is healing power. Praise God. How many here, just to take a, a poll here, how many here have, have ever experienced a genuine healing in your body from the Lord? Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Keep them up there for a second. I'm talking about a genuine healing. Look at that. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And you see, that's God. That's testifying to the fact that God's Word is true, and we believe that in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but back during the times of Jesus, you know, the demographics that they had back then, or I should say as the Bible speaks to it, really speaks about three different types of people. And so a lot of times when we read the Scriptures, sometimes we have to be aware of the fact that, um, well, it does mention some of these other ethnic groups, but realistically, the Scriptures are divided into three different uh, uh, classes. And one would be, of course, the Jews or the, um, the Hebrews. That was the class of people, of course, that Jesus was referring a lot of his remarks to. Not that he was opposed to anybody else, but at that time, the Scripture says that he came unto his own. That's what it says in the first chapter of the book of John. And his own received him not. And so this was the prophecy that went forth. And then the second class of people are the Samaritans. And a lot of times Samaritan people, um, from a Jewish standpoint, were looked down on. 
You know, what had happened was they had begun to intermingle or intermarry in that type of thing. And of course, this was something that the Jewish people felt like was uh, extremely wrong and that type of thing, and they, and they didn't like it and that type of thing. Um, but another thing that divided the, uh, the, the Samaritan people from the Jewish people was where they worshipped. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Um, I want you to see something here in Scripture. Look at the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 27. And I want to show you something there. Deuteronomy 27, just in, as a reference point. Praise God. The Bible says in verse 20, or 27, chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, in verse 1, it says, And Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, notice this, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And then it says, And on that, and, and it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law, and when thou hast passed over, that thou mayest go in, in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God thy fathers hath promised thee. Promised thee. Okay? And so here it is, that's the commandment. Most of you are familiar with the fact this is as they're going across. Now, they're gonna, they're gonna, they got some rules. Okay? Well, look at um, verse number 4. And this is where the contention between the Samaritans and the Jews came. The Bible says, Therefore it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan, that you shall set up these stones, which I command you this day, where? In Mount Ebal. In, yeah, in Mount Ebal. And so, I don't know if you remember that or not, but, um, and I don't know if we'll get to this tonight or not, but the lady, that was one of the problems she had. You know, that was a question she asked Jesus. She said, Jesus, you know, we worship in this mountain over here. Because, of course, they had word for it. Moses had commanded it. And so, you know, I mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't put that one away. You can't dismiss that one. And then, of course, the Jews were big on worshiping in Jerusalem. Okay? So can you see where there was a division? And so um, the thing that I appreciate about the Lord is that God didn't come, you know, um, uh, to necessarily bring confusion and that type of thing. He came to heal that kind of stuff. And that's why what Jesus was referring to this lady, and we'll talk about the story here in just a little bit, but he was referring to the fact that the true worshipers would worship the Father in what? Yeah. See, that doesn't have to do with a location, does it? That has to do with the frame of mind. That has to do with faith. Praise God. And so this was something that Jesus was able, able to do, praise God, and he was able to help this lady to understand um, that, um, that that was real, that that was something that God wanted them to understand, that the time was coming when, you know, and, and no offense to mountains and no offense to locations, you know, I've been in a lot of different locations and worship the Lord, and I'm glad to do that, but I'm going to tell you something. When you talk about the Spirit of God, when you talk about the, 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 the river of living water that can proceed out of, your, out of your heart, praise God, that doesn't have to do with a location, praise God. That has to do with God doing what He wants to do in this hour in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. And so we see that that contention between the Jews and the Samaritans was a real thing. Amen, it was. And it kept them divided. 
Now, the third class of people that you find in the Bible that um, uh, is where you and I come in. And, of course, this is the Gentiles. And the Gentiles could be summed up with just about everybody else in the world, you know. Jesus said that, you would re that they would receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon them and that they would be witnesses, you know, in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world, praise God. And so we understand that this is what happened. This was kind of the succession that happened. In fact, you can trace this in, in the book of Acts, that you can see that the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, you know, on the day of Pentecost, did happen in Jerusalem. Yes, it was poured out. And there was a, um, a tremendous response. The Bible says that, that just upon the message that Peter preached there, and you can check that message out in the second chapter of the book of Acts, it's a powerful message. Amen. And just because that message was preached, there was a response. In fact, the scripture gives us a count. It says that over 3,000. Amen. We're baptized that day. Praise God. And so we understand that the Word of God has that kind of an effect on hungry people, no matter where they're at. But, you know, just a few chapters down the road here, we understand that God, you know, He sent Philip to Samaria, and he began to preach Jesus Christ to them. That's what he did. And just upon that message alone, you know, people began to get healed. People began to be delivered. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's powerful. And then when Peter and John came down, praise God, there were people that were willingly baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, look at somebody and say, Samaritans. Yeah, Samaritans received this word. And I believe some of that, maybe I don't know how much of it, but some of that could be predicated upon the fact of this young lady here in the fourth chapter of the book of John, how she received the message. And you know how that went, praise God. She, was, she came to the well at noon, and I don't, you know, we're not real familiar with the social standards of that time, but usually wells, the source of water for a city or for a, a village or an area like that, usually it was a social place. It was a place where people came in the morning, and then they came in the evening. That's when they would come, they would get their water for the day, they would bring it back to their households, and then at night they would do the same thing. And so for somebody to come to the well at noon, you know, that was an unusual thing. Well, I, I think we can, we can surmise that this lady just didn't want to be around other people. And when we begin to discover her life, you know, we begin to see that, you know, there were some things that, she, that there was no doubt that she was ashamed of. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, the scripture tells us in the third chapter, or uh, in, yeah, in the, um, I think it's in the third chapter there. Uh, no, actually in the fourth chapter there. Um, I'm going to read this to you. Look at John chapter number four. John chapter number four. And the scripture says in verse number one, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Again, there's another verification that Jesus was a baptizer. Okay, it's right there in plain um, ink there. It says, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And look at verse number four. The Bible says we see kind of an urgency here. It says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Jesus did, usually when the Jews were, were traveling and that type of thing, and, and, and they were going to uh, uh, do this, this traveling through here, they would avoid that like the plague but not Jesus. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. What I personally believe here, this was a divine appointment. 
that Jesus knew what was happening here. In fact, he knew exactly, the, uh, as God, he knew exactly what the ramifications would be by his meeting here, this woman. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe in divine appointments. I don't believe in any accidents in the kingdom of God. I believe the day that I came to a church like this, I believe that was a divine appointment. Amen. And maybe some of you have, you know, have some like stories, praise God. See, God knows what he's doing. Amen. Even here tonight, amen. He knows what it's going to take to get people saved. He knows what it's going to take to help people to get healed and delivered, praise God. It is the Spirit of God that does these things. And I'm going to tell you something. God is willingly pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. Even tonight, as we speak in this place, in this Bible study, God is doing this all over this world, praise God. This is what God is doing. These are divine appointments, my friends. This is what God is doing. And man, I'll tell you something. I, I, I thank God for that. You know, last week we talked about, I think it was last week, we talked about Nicodemus. And boy, the contrast, you know, between Nicodemus and this woman, you know, is worth noting as you read this story. Praise God. Now, Nicodemus was pretty guarded. You got to understand, he was a religious man. You know, he, he knew within his heart that that that. that you know, that Jesus was somebody, that, that things, in fact, he made the statement, he said, you know, nobody can deny the things that you're doing, praise God, that you're not from God. But even in that, praise God, he was very, very, very guarded, praise God. Now, when we come to this woman, praise God, we see that she isn't quite as guarded, in my opinion. Amen. And she's starting to open herself up to the things of God. And I thank God for that in Jesus' name. Now, the scripture says, I'm still in chapter number four of John, the gospel of John. Praise God. The, the scripture says that in verse number five, it says, And then cometh he to a city of, of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And, um, and the Bible says, now jo Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or it was at noon, is when he did this. And so Jesus purposely came to this well. He purposely came to find one woman. Amen. And wow, the Bible study that he taught that one woman. Hallelujah. That is awesome. That never ceases to amaze me. How our God, yes, He's interested in the world. Doesn't the Scripture say that He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that God loves, loves people in this world. But man alive, I mean, a story like this tells us and teaches us that God will go to the nth degree for just one person. Hallelujah. You talk, about, you talk about strengthening the love that God has in your heart, praise God. That should do it right there, knowing that God, He would look for you. He would look for that one lamb, praise God. What a beautiful story, folks. I'm telling you something. This is, in, is inspirational in the name of Jesus. Now let's look at what he's, what's happening there. The scripture says he's there. Jesus arrives at the well. You know, I've heard some teaching on Jacob's well. I'm not quite sure. I haven't been able to substantiate this or not. But one guy, he taught the fact that Jacob's well was actually just kind of a hole in the ground. And what would happen when it, when it rained or anything like that or when, it, when, when they'd have the weather over there, you know, this well would fill, would fill up. 
But a lot of times it would dry up because it, the weather, you know, if, if it got to be a drought or anything like that, there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be any well there, praise God. And so, it, you know, the, um, the water that they had to get out of this well, they probably had to take it home and boil it, you know, to get it to be purified, that type of thing. And it was different, different. And having, uh, having a little bit of that understanding, you know, let's see what, what the conversation, how it started, okay? Look at verse number 7 there. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, he's sitting there at the well, and the Bible says, he says, Give me to drink. For his disciples, in verse 8, it says, were gone away into the city to buy meat. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto, them, unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest me to drink, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Boy, I'm telling you something. He's going all over these protocols. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you something. This is a divine appointment. And Jesus will do that sometimes when it comes to that type of thing, you know. Well, the woman confused again. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Look at that. And Jesus answered like he kind of did with, with, with Nicodemus, you know. You know, he just gets right to the point. Praise God. I like this. And I've, I've, I've had him do this to me so many times. You know, the scripture says that Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith, on, uh, saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. That subject's coming right out, praise God. I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, somebody like that sits there and starts telling me things like that. It's going to get my curiosity. Amen. You know what he's trying to do? I'm going to tell you what he's doing right there, folks. Listen to me. He's done it with you. He's done it with me. He does it with everybody. He's, he's breaking down barriers. That's what he's doing. He's breaking down all kinds of barriers, praise God. Because a lot of times when we come to the Lord, praise God, you know, we think it's predicated upon what we can bring to the Lord. And realistically, folks, it's not that. It all has to do with what He can give to you and I in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody want to drink from the well tonight? Somebody want to get some real true power running through their system here tonight? I'm telling you, it doesn't have to do with what kind of a week you're having. It just has to do with the kind of faith that you have in the Lord in the name of Jesus. Come on, I feel led to do that. Just go ahead and lift your hands right now and ask the Lord to give you a long drink. Oh, that living water, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, that living water. Praise God, that's what the Lord... You got those videos loaded up. Why don't you go ahead and play that video right now in Jesus' name. Living water, what an amazing concept, especially in biblical geography. We're abundantly blessed here in North America with vast reservoirs, vast reserves of wonderful fresh water. But when you're in a desert environment, water makes the difference between life and death. A little while ago, well, maybe more than a little while, uh, several years ago, my family and I moved to a desert country in the Middle East. 
that had never had a United Pentecostal Church or an apostolic church of any kind. We went in faith believing that God was going to do an amazing work. And let me tell you, he did. This Pentecostal apostolic kid that grew up under the pew, I knew the power of the Holy Ghost before because I had experienced it in my own life. But can I tell you, I learned a new dimension of the power of living water. We had started having services. We were about two years in. In fact, it was our second anniversary. We had seen people receive the revelation of who Jesus was. We had seen great miracles happen and a couple had received the Holy Ghost here and there. But we had yet to see a breakthrough of the flow of the living water of the Spirit. But on that second anniversary, we had an amazing guest. His name was Brother Bruce Howe. He's used to preaching to crowds of thousands, but he came to our church plant and we had 40. I think we had 40. And Brother Howe preached his heart out. He preached faith, he preached the power of God. And I will never forget as God began to pour out his spirit for the first time in that country in our church plant. All 12 of our ministry team leaders received the Holy Ghost on that night in March of 2013. I had seen God do it and experienced it in my own life, but I cannot express to you what it was like to see the power of God come into a new place where it had, yes, he had been there, but he was there in a new way and his spirit was moving in a powerful way. One by one, God began to fill and the people with the Holy Ghost and, and one sister who was quiet and reserved and just you could barely hear her pray. She began to pray, to prophesy, to minister to others as she was speaking in tongues and filled with the Holy Ghost herself. Living water yeah. makes a difference in the desert. I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost at work, not just in my own life, but that he goes to places that are dry, that are needy, that are perhaps dirty and dusty, but living water makes life possible in any location around the world. Praise God for the power of the living water of His Spirit. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful testimony. That's what you and I have. I, I, I was trying to think as he was talking about, they have a law in the desert um, about when you find water. And um, if you don't tell somebody where it's at. And, you know, I, I th I've thought about that. I, I've I heard somebody preach on that one time. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that you and I have found that water. You think about that. Just that simple little aspect that you and I have found the living water. Praise God. Now I guess we have to ask ourselves the question, are we telling people where it's at? Yeah. Yeah, and I understand what you're thinking right now. You're saying, well, I tried that, Brother Carnahan, and there's some that just don't want it or whatever the case is. Well, that's not the point. You know, the real point is, is are we telling people where that living water is? Because that's what he's referring to. Let me get to the rest of the story here. Look at uh, John chapter number 4. And again, we're talking about the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. She had quite a history you know, she had a background, that type of thing, and, and she was not too proud of herself, that type of thing. But Jesus purposely made his way to that well so that he could talk to her. 
In Jesus' name. I think that is beautiful. Praise God. Well, verse number 11, I'm, I'm still in John 4. It says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? And verse number 12 says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and the cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her in verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now, she's talking about physical water here. But, he says in verse 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Praise God. That's the difference, folks. That's what makes the difference. Scripture says in verse number 15, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water. Boy, who wouldn't want that, huh? My goodness, it's one of those offers that we should not refuse, right? Well, the Bible says that he, she, she recognized right away that this guy is talking about something that she wanted, praise God. And it says that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, call, go, call thy husband and come hither. Here's where it kind of gets a little bit, I guess, uncomfortable if we can put it that way. But we got to look at it from God's vantage point here. God isn't in the business of, of embarrassing us. He's not in the business of, of uh, um, you know, putting our laundry out where everybody can see it. But God's in the business of, of, of you know, of putting some, what I would consider some new wine into a new vessel. Praise God. And so you see, he's not getting the cart before the horse, and that's what's happening, praise God. And so here we go. He's, the woman saith in him, you know, or I should say, yes, verse number 17, the woman says, answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus saith unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. And the woman said in verse number 19, it says unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And our fathers worshipped in this mountain. This is what I was referring to before and um, about the mountain. It says, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What's she doing? Come on, she's doing something very classic here. What's that? Oh boy, is she. You know, and again, I'm not here to rub her face in that. And I understand what it's like to have absolute apostolic conviction come into your life. And you know that God has got, he's got the magnifying glass on. But listen to me, folks, if we can get back to the, to, to the aspect of this story that Jesus, Jesus, um, and, and even the terrain around this city where he came is a little bit rough. Jesus had to literally go out of his way to come to this well so that he could meet with this young lady, praise God. Listen to me. He's not here to embarrass her, but he's here to help her to get to the crux of the matter in Jesus' name. That's why you and I, we, we can't be afraid of when God begins to talk to us about our past or our sins and that type of thing. we got to recognize what he's trying to do is he's trying to get down to the place where we can, we can deal with it on a godly basis in Jesus' name. 
And so she changed the subject. And Jesus, again, here in verse 21, gets to the crux of the matter. And he saith unto her, Woman, believeth me, the hour cometh when thou shalt neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. But look at verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. And then the scripture says in verse 23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Come on, verse 24 is a powerful truth here. Let's see if we can receive it tonight. God is a spirit, praise God. What does that mean? That means that's what God is in. That's the form that he is. It says, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, praise God. And so the scripture teaches us in verse 25 that the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And so upon this, he's having this little Bible study with it. And the scripture says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he had talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. Now listen to this. It says, and say it to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Look at what God is doing with this woman. He's using her, praise God, to witness for the Almighty God. Come on, I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is a beautiful story how God purposely, divine appointment, praise God, made sure that he was at that well, praise God, because he knows where the hungry and the thirsty are, praise God. And they might be hidden under a whole stack of embarrassment, but Jesus has a way of taking that embarrassment away. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, he has a way of taking that embarrassment away and getting right down to the place what we need in the name of Jesus. That's why I'm telling you here tonight, praise God, you can tap into the well of salvation any day that you want to in the name of Jesus because he took care of your embarrassment. He took care of your shame. Come on, he took care of all of that and he took it to the cross and he shed his blood for you and for me so that you and I could have clear access to the things that God has for us. Come on, I'm telling you right now, that's why I, we, we have access to the well of salvation here tonight in the name of Jesus. That that's exactly what he does in the name of Jesus. That's it. You have access to the well of salvation. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Just lift up those hands in faith right now and say, God, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I appreciate the fact that I can come and I can get refilled any day of the week. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me to the, to the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, and let me show you something. I told you before that, you know, a lot of times we think that 
you know, this is just a small thing and, and, it's, and it's insignificant or whatever the case is. But man, we never know what's going what's to really come of, of, a, of a Bible study that we teach at a kitchen someplace or, 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 a, or a witness that we have to people or whatever the case is. We just never, ever, ever know, praise God. Amen. The eighth chapter of the book of Acts, as I told you before, um, this is where... Um, uh, 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 where the Samaritans, praise God, were going to get the full plan of salvation, praise God, where they were going to get the opportunity, amen, to believe in the things of God. And as I told you before, three classes of people that you'll find in the New Testament primarily. You'll find that of the nation of Israel, you'll find the, uh, the Samaritans, and then you'll find the Gentiles, praise God. And I thank God that that, that, um, that living well is open to each and every group. Praise God. I'm telling you, folks, in a world today where we're, we've got that kind of stuff rampant everywhere where people are, 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 are persecuted and that type of thing, isn't it good to know that you can come to the house of God and doesn't make any difference what your background is? It doesn't make any difference where you come from, praise God, that God loves you and amen. He's, he has built this salvation message just for you in the name of Jesus. Listen to this. Look at this. The scripture says in um, um, uh, uh, verse number five of the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, again, you know, prior to this, you know, Saul, he's creating havoc. He's trying to put people in jail and all that kind of business. And really he was, I don't know if it was on purpose, but he was really responsible for, for, um, for, for kicking some of the ministry out of Jerusalem. He was. You know, and so because of that, in verse number five, Philip was the one that answered the call. Look at this. It says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the scripture says, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And the scripture says, the proof of that was in verse seven, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies, diseases, and that were lame, were healed. And the scripture says, and there was great joy in that city. You got to understand before Philip got there, Jesus got there. That's why when Jesus began to preach the message of Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you something. There were people that were around that city that already knew about what he was talking about. Come on, don't you remember the lady went back into the city and told the men to come and see a man that told me about all things, praise God? You must understand that that was the catalyst. That was the seed that was sown, praise God, in Samaria. So that maybe just a, you know, just a little while later, praise God, when they came to Samaria and began to preach Christ to them, amen, they were open to that message. And this is what I've always believed, that that's what God does sometimes. Sometimes he'll send us into a remote area or into a place where we don't think, you know, that this is going to mean that much, or maybe it's only one person, or maybe we're just handing out one track, or maybe we're just talking to one person or whatever the case is. You never know, praise God, what those seeds are going to, what's going to come to fruition when they come back, praise God. I'm going to tell you something. There was a mighty revival in Samaria because of somebody that, that praise God went back to that city and said, you need to see somebody that can tell you exactly how it works in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the Bible teaches us that there was great joy there, deliverance, miracles, praise God. That's what was happening. Amen. And something else, look at this. And the Bible says in verse number, um, 
number, uh, number nine, there was something that was hindering them. And the scripture says, and there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he him, that himself was some great one. Look at this. And the Bible says, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Whoa, something needs to happen there, doesn't it? Well, the Bible says, and to him they had regard because of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Peter, or uh, Philip, look at this. It says, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. I'm going to tell you something, even Simon himself believed, praise God. You've got to understand that Jesus has the power to come and to unfold every false that's around there. What was hindering this city was somebody was saying that I'm the great one. And I'm going to tell you something. He wasn't the great one because the great one had already come. Praise God. And when Philip began to preach, praise God, they began to recognize that Jesus was the real deal. Praise God. And so I don't know, you know, how, how you look at that, but I believe that there are people sometimes that are bound by this. That maybe what they've been taught, maybe somebody's brought something to their life that, that's false, and they just believe it because, you know, they think that person's okay. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, He can come into the scene, and He can set the captive free, praise God. I think I'm looking into the faces of some people that you have been set free, praise God, from some things. And I'm going to tell you something, He has the power to do that everywhere that we go in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands right now, and ask the Lord to give you give you a fresh revelation of that in the name of Jesus. Come on. I'm going to tell you something. That's what God wants to do. He wants to set the captive free. And whether it be somebody using sorceries, whether it be somebody that using false doctrine, whether somebody's got a misunderstanding about a mountain, or whatever the case is, I believe that God is able to bring it all together and to help people understand where the truth is in the name of Jesus. That's what you got to understand. Amen. Praise God. And so this is what you and I can be assured of, praise God, that no matter what the false is out there, all you and I need to do is proclaim the truth. All we need to do is believe the truth and keep living the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the scripture teaches us that, you know, um, in verse number um, uh, verse number 13, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs that were done. And the scripture says in verse 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. What did, what did Jesus teach uh, Nicodemus? You must be born of the and of the, come on, sign sounds like a very, very similar message to me, praise God, when you come to Samaria. And so the scripture says, as, as in verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But look at this, the Bible says in verse 17, when they, and then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hand, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. He still didn't get his 
heart right, praise God. But the bottom line is, I'm going to tell you something, God wants to fill people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He wants to come into their lives, and whether they've had five marriages, whether they've had ten marriages, whether they've had a whole bunch of disappointment in life, folks, I'm going to tell you something, all of that fits under something called the blood of Jesus Christ, and they can be cleansed from all of that, and then God does one better. He comes in, and He not only cleanses them, but He gives them power through the, through the, through the water, through the living water in the name of Jesus. This is what He does. And so you can begin to see the pattern, praise God, that God is doing all the way through the Gospels, praise God. This is, what, this is what they preached in the book of Acts, praise God. They preached that you could receive this thing. Once they got the revelation through their own thick skull, they, could, they realized that it didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter who you were, were, were a part of. As long as you're willing to accept the things of God, you could be filled with the things of the Lord in Jesus' name. What a beautiful thing. All started with one lady at a well. This, this Samaritan revival started with one lady at a well. Amen. That was willing, praise God, to allow herself to be open. And then she recognized, praise God, that Jesus was the real deal. And she went back into the city and she said, you got to come and see this guy. This guy's got the goods, praise God. And so when Philip was able to come down there, when the time was right, he was able to go down there and begin to preach the things of Jesus Christ to them. And they, could, they, could, they, they were open to them in Jesus' name. And that's how it works, my friend. Whether it be a Jew, whether it be Samaritan, whether it be something called a Gentile that you and I are involved in. I'm going to tell you something. God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Let's ask the Lord tonight maybe to show us somebody. Somebody's. I believe that there's something that God wants to, to share with us. I believe most of all tonight, I believe that I'm looking into the faces of people that know where the water is. And I believe that God wants to renew that purpose within us. Amen. That he wants to help us to be able to, 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 to show people where the real true water, the, the, the river of living water is at in Jesus' name. Do you want to be involved in that? Would you like to see something like that in your personal life? I believe the Lord would too in Jesus' name. Why don't you just lift up your hands right now?